It is time to draw a line under the map. We will strive for the denazification of Ukraine. Let me put it to you, Justin. Yes, you If you win by one, you've won. The phone went over the side. The idea is flying migrants to the web. I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Part of the ACAST Creator Network and also available on Patreon. Hello. I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast where each week I ask the question, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? This contest for Tory leader is wonderfully entertaining because the supporters of Boris Johnson are determined to continue his work. So they're desperate for the unhinged candidates to come together so as not to split the deranged vote. So there are articles in some conservative newspapers that go, we face the awful threat of someone becoming leader who isn't a psychopath. So it's essential that we unite behind a single fruit bat who can ensure the country continues to move forward in a manner that is mental. And they seem to have opted for Liz Truss. She was reassuring when she started her campaign by saying, I will be ready to start as Prime Minister from day one. Now, this is unlike the other candidates who say, if I win, I won't be able to start until November, as I have to work out my four weeks notice at a garden centre. And then I've got a holiday booked in Cornwall. Ah, And even then I won't be able to do Wednesdays, as that's when I pop round to see me mum. She's made it clear that she will uphold the values of the departing Prime Minister. And one rumour is that she will ask all the candidates to take a lie detector test. Confident she'll fail it quicker than any of the others, proving it's her that can keep his legacy going. Nadine Doris said that she's supporting Liz Truss and explained, they call her a hand grenade because she gets things done. This is the sort of can-do attitude we need. If Liz Truss is asked to do the washing up, she doesn't take hours to get round to it. Wasting time in committees, she chucks a hand grenade into the kitchen to get it done. And straight away, you don't have to worry about the sticky bits of scrambled egg on the bottom of your saucepan. All you have to deal with is £2 million worth of damage and 300 fatalities. The other candidates are more traditional, so they pose for photos on a lawn or in front of a book about Nelson, and they make statements such as, I believe in British objects, such as British settees and British dandelions, which are the best dandelions in the world. Rishi Sunak tried to be more artistic with a film in which he told the charming story of how his grandparents met in India and came here to make a better life. And I'll be honest, I didn't see the end. But I expect he says, and if I'd been in the government at the time, I'd have sent the bastards back. All the candidates are competing with each other to see who will cut taxes more than anyone. Rishi Sunak is a strong leader in this field, to be honest, as he can say, I have a proven record in cutting taxes, as my wife has already cut her own taxes to fuck all by registering her money in India. Top that, Penny Mordant. And Penny Mordant is the most popular with the public, because we don't know anything about her, so we don't yet know why she's do-lally. This is often the way to win a Tory leadership election, to be the unknown one. So it's only after they win we discover they're secretary of the local Gollywog Appreciation Society or they're the lead singer in a Gary Glitter tribute band. 
The next stage is to win the hearts of local Conservative members by making speeches such as, I am the only candidate who can take our country forward by making the homeless workers fireworks. So the rules should be changed so that the loser in each round has to pretend to be happy as they're kicked off while being consoled by Claudia Winkleman. So you'd have Suella Braverman standing there saying, it's been an incredible journey, Claudia. I've made so many friends and I've had to dig deep inside myself and discover who I am. And then Tess Daly would say, oh, let's have a look at your best bits. And they'd show clips of Suella saying, I think all immigrants should be tipped upside down in a bucket of fox sick. And then the next week is My Fair Lady Week, where everyone has to sing one of their policies, starting with Liz Truss going, I think Rwanda's too good for them, to the tune of Wouldn't It Be Lovely. Now, personally, I know I'm in a minority here, but I really like the hot weather. It doesn't ever really get too hot for me. But the current heat wave, I should accept, is affecting a lot of us. In particular, this woman who I heard in a cafe the other day. Well, I heard Richard Maidley on Good Morning Britain say there's going to be a hosepipe ban. And I thought, well, it won't affect me because I don't use a hosepipe. It's the gardener who uses it. And anyway, our water use is essential, as Nectarine needs to water her plants because she's growing a courgette for her school project. And last year, the silly woman who teaches her disqualified her just because she bought it from Waitrose. And Calvados, my homeopath, is furious because his remedies are 99.9999999% water. So if there is a water shortage, he won't have anything to put his one molecule of arsenic in. And I'll be honest, <laughs> I don't understand the science. But it definitely works because the nanny had a broken wrist the other day and we gave her a homeopathic remedy and said, if you're not back at work tomorrow, I'm afraid we'll have to say goodbye. And the next day she was back at work, right as rain, although she still couldn't use the arm, that was in a sling. But Colin put it down to laziness. And, well, he should know because he's head of marketing for Pringles across the whole of the Rygate area. And Colin's done his bit to conserve water because he insisted we got rid of our jacuzzi so now he has to go round and use Tara's and it's just as well because now we've got a water meter we've ended up paying more so we've had to take it out of the nanny's wages I had to explain to her well you're the one who uses the washing machine all day long <laughs> she just started crying but that's the trouble with people these days it's just me 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 excuse me can I have some more tap water please I'm saving up for a bath Now, as anybody knows, if they have ever tried to work out what the fuck is going on, you need expert advice and expert advice from minorities, such as Northerners. And that is why <laughs> I am honoured to have Mr. Mick Ferry with me today. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm fine, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard Northerners described as a minority before. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, you, could, you can have a, uh, a sticker on your car, you can get a ramp put in your house, all that. <laughs> Uh, I think we outnumber you, Southerners, anyway. <laughs> yeah, Which, yeah dude, probably. What is it? There's about 10 of you, isn't there? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we've got, got, like, a... we got a county each. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was given Hampshire. <laughs> oh, that's uh, nice. <laughs> now, the last time that we were that, that we were facing each other uh, on a computer screen <laughs> was during the lockdown. This was one of the moments that actually like got me through the lockdown. <laughs> was we you because you do this brilliant little two minute interview thing 
Yeah. With Elliot. Uh, yes. Who's A, my son, and B, uh, very much part of this podcast. So uh, he had this idea that for my one, he went, Dad, just pretend you haven't got any idea about the technology. <laughs> and I said, all right. And he, he was so funny in that because he improvised it really well. Like, uh, I mean, it was so much that I think most people thought it was um A lot of people thought it was, thought it was real. real. A yeah, lot of people yeah, yeah. thought it was real. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was getting actual messages from people who should know better. It was saying, God... It was saying like, oh, you must be really pissed off with uh, that he's fucked that up for you and all that. You know, you must be really annoyed that that's happened. Uh, and saying, saying to me, your face, you, you looked horrified. I, I was like, that's fucking acting. I was acting. Yeah, it was acting. It was good acting. It was really good acting. And it was, uh, no, it was really funny. So for people who haven't seen it, it's a two, if you put sort of Mick Ferry two minute, Two minute, two minute chat shot. Two minute chat shot. Two minute chat shot. And, and uh, it was it was really so I was sort of making out I couldn't work out how to get the get the headphones in and all that. And then and then Elliot just and this was really hard not to laugh. He went, Oh for fuck's sake, this is why mum left. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was very good. It was, yeah. Yeah, so now, as a as a man of Manchester, I should say, by the way, as well, I am currently in a field at the back of a service station somewhere near Plymouth. So tell you what, the lengths you go to for dogging is unreal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, yeah, yeah, I, I know. Well, yeah, I've done everyone round my way, Mick. I've... <laughs> So I have to come all the way to fucking Cornwall. Yeah. It's a disgrace. <laughs> Devon, I know, on the way to Cornwall, you know. Oh, but, right, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to the Isles of Scilly to do an in-town recording, which um, many of you might have listened to by the time this goes out. I don't know. Uh, but, oh, Christ, yes. Yeah, so, and then I realised well, I'm not going to get to Penzance where we was going to do this. So we've pulled over in a car park and I'm doing a, a recording. I feel like someone at the BBC, a war correspondent. We're here <laughs> in this kind of hope that the Taliban can't see us, uh, but they're, um, they're, we're, we're here right in the war zone. And um, uh, right, I'm interviewing someone who's, who's actually a, a counterinsurgency spy. Uh, and so it feels a bit like a bit like that, but it's not. It's just the back of a service station. It is very much somewhere where you might go dogging. I better not give the exact location. <laughs> I can hear your voice, but you, 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 you froze up. You went into really... Nice slow motion there, Mark. And then, oh, good. Uh, right. uh, talk about uh, I hope the laptop charge carries on, by the way. I say, anyway, I'm going to rattle this out. Right, this is the second part of a chat I've been looking forward to so long with Mick Ferry, but I must explain, <laughs> if you're interested in listening. So the signal cut out, the charge went out, everything. We've managed to get into the Travelodge. God, and uh, um, the lovely people at the Travelodge at wherever have allowed us to sort of set up in the little corner somewhere and plug things in and all the stuff's on a bin. And uh, if anyone wants to come in and use the bin, that's going to be a big problem for people staying in the Travelodge somewhere near the docking site that we're in. Okay. So. <laughs> right, Mick, so, so... Mick, you are a man. You're very much a man of Manchester. Yes. So, uh, and the surrounding areas. <laughs> and the surrounding areas. Which bit exactly? Uh, well, I live in Oldham, just outside, about five miles outside of the centre of uh, Manchester. Uh, Oldham's a large town, quarter of a million population, uh, highest rate of unemployment in men under the age of thirty, uh, and quite quite deprived. But so, yeah, it's nice. Is that what's on the front of the tourist brochure? <laughs> 
<laughs> it was. Oh, we go to Oldham every year. It's wonderful. The decorations. <laughs> we used to go to India, but it's so much better to go to Oldham. So Mick, is uh, like one of the t- sort of places I love is when you go to a little town. Go to a little town on the In Town series. And there's a little place on the edge of another town. We did one in Portishead. And they got really, yeah. really angry because location, location, location said, uh, we're here in yeah. Bristol. We're not from Bristol. And there was mayhem. Is, that, is Oldham a bit like that? Well, yeah, I can understand that reporters said because they think they invented ambient dance music, don't they? Um, which they didn't. Uh, Oldham is Oldham is like that. The surrounding towns of Manchester are like that because of the Industrial Revolution, and we all lay claim to being the largest industrial town in the world at some point. Uh, so it's quite quite fierce. And also, if you a bit of history, uh, people from Oldham in in eighteen eleven, it was eighteen eleven eighteen twelve, were killed in what's called the Peterloo Massacre in Manchester, just for wanting better paying conditions. And uh, sixteen of them were killed by uh, by the cavalry uh, at the time. So yeah, these are great people. People from Oldham will get pissed off if you call them instead of from Manchester. Yeah, so it's always been assumed that people from the the Peterloo massacre was about people wanting some basic rights and Henry Hunt and the press and that. But is it just yeah. that uh, the, the yeomanry didn't like people from Oldham? There's <laughs> probably something in that. Because <laughs> Shelley's, Shelley's famous poem, The Mask of Anarchy, was about that, wasn't it? And maybe there's all sorts of imagery in that that we never understood. And actually he's going... Oh, from fucking old, let's be honest. Yeah, well, yeah, them poor fuckers had to walk every morning. It's like seven miles for that for them town hall meetings. Uh, they must, yeah, easy to kill. They'd be knackered. Um, uh, but yeah, no, Oldham has its own sense of pride and history. It's quite a famous town in its own right. We invented the tubey grip bandage. Uh, the first uh, test tube baby was born in Oldham. Uh, Philip Schofield was born here, and you know he, he turned out to be the cause of COVID. Um, so yeah, we're quite famous. Mick, I cannot tell you how much I love hearing stuff like that. That is my life, hearing yes. things like that. <laughs> the, the what was the what sort of bandage was invented in Oldham? Tuby grip. Oh god, that honestly, so much of my life has been. Oh my god, you'll never guess what was invented in Oldham. <laughs> <laughs> So, Mick, what do you think about this idea that Manchester's actually made part of Holland? It seems quite extreme. Well, there, there, there has been talk of, uh, if Scotland do get independence, about uh, uh, extending that far, as far down as far as Manchester and uh, cutting off the south. Uh, they also, as well, I don't think you're aware of this, but in the 1990s, we nearly had a Northwest Assembly, uh, which Tony Wilson, the late great Tony Wilson, uh, uh, Anthony H. Wilson, was behind it, the idea. And uh, and we almost had a referendum on that. And what put paid to the referendum was uh, Labour getting back in power in 97. And we all seemed to think it'd be all, it'd be all, it'd be okay after that. But uh, I can see the Northwest, um, the Northwest Assembly becoming a thing of the future, particularly with Andy Burnham, uh, the influence he's got in, in the Greater Manchester region and with the mayor of Liverpool as well at the minute. So I can see it becoming a thing. I mean, joining Holland, I mean, that'd be interesting. We may as well do. We've got the same amount of drugs in both parts of the world, so uh, it makes perfect sense. Go ahead, my, my Andy Burnham story. Because last year I was at a party in Brighton during the Labour conference because uh, I write for the Daily Mirror and the Daily Mirror put this on and I was stood at the back with a couple of other people who write for it and you know, the people were young people there and somebody come over and went uh, what did you think of Keir Starmer's speech and I said what when 
It's literally just now, five minutes ago, he made a speech. And I thought, oh no, the leader of the Labour Party has come to the Daily Mirror party and made a speech and made so little impact that even people in the room didn't notice. And about 20 minutes later, I mean, literally, and then 20 minutes later, Andy Burnham came in, just picked up the mic and did a karaoke version of Look Back in Anger by Oasis. And the place went mental. And I thought, I thought, any time you want to take over the Labour Party, it's just yours, isn't it? Yeah, I like the guy. I like the way he dresses. He looks like he's off to uh, with other casuals to a football match on a Saturday and he might get in a bit of a fight afterwards. You don't know, you know. Uh... I, I met him once and it was just after Yannick Bellassi was been, had been sold from Crystal Palace to Everton and that's all he wanted to talk to me about. And I thought, that would do me. I mean, given the quality of politicians over the last 50 years, that put him a good... 25% ahead of all of the rest. And, uh, uh, yeah. But it's, I don't know, he's popular, but what's the matter with Labour? They can't, they, they can't seem to think, they think, oh, we've got someone who's really popular who would definitely win. Don't let them near the fucking leadership. Well, you, well, you, 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 you know what, you're exactly right. It's like we've gone to, uh, it's like Labour Party have gone to a fun fair and all you have to do is hit a bullseye with a darts and for some reason they've taken the feathers Feather flights out of the dart, uh, and the dart's going everywhere, but nowhere near the fucking bullseye. <laughs> yeah. just, it's landed on the coat, it's, it's, and then got in, no, it's got, yeah, in one of the, yeah. got in one of the got in the pond with all the fish that you, that you win if you think that fucking hell. No, we were trying to get the darn. He's got a fucking fish. Don't tell him we're not. No, I stand by. I stand by, Mister Starmer, even though he's landed his dart in the fish. What they do now, traditionally, what Labour would do now is they'd go, right, we've got to de-wine his voice. And so, and then he'd come out at the next conference and say, it is absolutely marvellous to be here in, in Blackpool. <laughs> As Labour leader, I will ensure a return to integrity and honesty in politics. But what the fuck's he going? No, he's been on a de-wining course. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 honestly, I, I'd, I'd like him to go to Ray Winston for lessons. Oh, yeah. Just have a bit of that. Do that. Do that in the House of Parliament. <laughs> and just uh, sit down, you slag. All that. Just do that. Or just have Ray Winston or just get Ray Winston to be I'll just have Ray Winston, yeah, 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 Mr. exactly. Yeah, 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 Mr. Speaker. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, is it not the case, Prime Minister, that who is going to be the next Foreign Secretary is the best bet in his bet fair. <laughs> Five to four, it's fucking trust. Add some. <laughs> oh. uh, I, Mick, I, it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you. One day, I hope to speak to you where we can both hear each other uh, consistently without hearing the, uh, the, the without hearing the crickets of South Devon and people booking into the Travelodge in whichever town I'm in. And without me sounding robotic and without me sounding... I wonder if maybe Keir Starmer could copy this voice. Copy the the voice of someone who can't be heard. Government <laughs> Mark, he's already got the voice of somebody who can't be heard. I think that's his problem. Um... <laughs> Last question, mate. What we've got problem. a signal? What? Where? What, yeah. Where can we hear? Where can we hear you? Where can we? Where can people go and find the marvelous Mick Berry? 
Uh, I'm just all, all over the place. The circuit's quite big, varied. So like, uh, so next time I'm, da- I'm down south, uh, I'm there for a week in the middle of August, uh, a bit of the Comedy Store and Ball and Banana and various other places. Uh, I don't know where your listenership extends to uh, on the Mark Steel. I would imagine... Dulwich, uh, but um, yeah. yeah, I'm near there as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Crystal Palace. Are you still in Crystal Palace? Uh, well, I'm in Crystal Palace some of the time and Ealing quite a lot of the time these days. What a great way to end it. I've no idea what you just said. Uh, I would just like to say then, uh, thank you for having me on this, the slickest of podcasts I think I've ever done. And uh, good luck with the posh dogging in a travel lodge. I mean, that's the first one on me. Uh, so, yeah, it was lovely to not hear you. <laughs> and hopefully, hopefully not see you soon. Uh, <laughs> I've been Mick Ferry. Goodbye. Once again, Britain has been seeing record temperatures. Uh, Now, we were hoping to speak to Stephen Belcher, the Met Office chief scientist, but unfortunately, he's out with sunstroke. So instead, here's deceased cricketer Fred Truman. Well, I mean, this is supposed to be a heat wave. I mean, I don't call this a heat wave, but I mean, these days, the minute it stops raining, I mean, they tell you not to go outdoors and roll around in sun cream that has to be factor 80 or some such. I mean, in my day, we didn't have sun cream. We used to use marmalade. And I mean, so then you'd be covered in wasps. I mean, oh, one lad grizzly Braithwaite, he used honey. And I mean, the next thing, he was savaged by a bear, which is how he got his name. But I mean, he, he didn't complain. And I mean, uh, and it was hotter in those days because we had Fahrenheit's. I mean, we used to get 80 of them. And we were this centigrade nonsense. They make a fuss if there's 30. I mean, uh, <laughs> and it were proper hot back then. I mean, oh, we were playing against uh, Essex at Scarborough and uh, Billy Didlington, a lovely lad from Bridlington, uh, I mean, he got so hot that the local foundry used him to smelt iron. I mean, <laughs> he took for three for 29, uh, and after he'd finished bowling, they stuck his head in a barrel of metal and made a set of railings. Oh! I mean, and the wickets, they were a desert. I mean, the bats all melted. So, I mean, we had to use a scorpion as a bat. I mean, you'd get stung, but you didn't worry about that in those days. I mean, we used to have scorpion poison as a treat on our birthdays. I mean, there was none of this milkshake nonsense. But, I mean, if you tried to do that these days, I mean, well, you'd have the vegans complaining that it was misappropriation of a scorpion's natural fibres or some such. I don't give up. If you wish to support this podcast so that we can keep trying to find out what the fuck is going on, and it's a massive project, I mean, like Bletchley Park, that took a few people and a little bit of time, but this is this is more important than that, to be honest, then you must sign up to Patreon. Each week you will get a longer ad-free version of the episode with the lots of extra bits in the interviews, bonus sketches this week. Uh, we have a, a woman who's rung into a phoning uh, show and she seems to be a little bit cross, but you'll, you'll have, to, uh, have to have Patreon for that. Uh, and you will get it on Sunday night, which is a whole day before Monday night. So uh, that's what a huge thing that is. Sunday night is, I mean, scientists have um, have confirmed this, it is the ideal podcast listening 
night, apparently. Uh, podcasts are 31% more enjoyable on a Sunday night. But um, you could, of course, wait to the following Sunday. But by then, everything might we might have already worked out what the fuck is going on. So uh, there will also be the first chance to buy tickets at a discounted price for the live shows. That, now we're back up and running, we will be absolutely doing so... Follow the link on our Twitter page or go to www.patreon.com, www.patreon.com. That was the same thing twice. Don't put it in twice. And type in what the F is going on. And for just £4 a month, you can get all that and help support this podcast. And when we've found out what the fuck is going on, you know that you will have played a vital role the same way as people do who fought on the beaches at Normandy. So this is testing the absolute limits of the informality of the podcast form this week. Uh, so much of it has been done while en route from Pocklington. Pocklington, where I was in the week, which is a marvellous little town east of York for people who, oh, we, we like to be up north, but York's a bit too much for us with its archbishop and its walls. So there's a town called Pocklington, uh, the most famous person ever from Pocklington, apart from Richard Herring, bless him, is a man who in 1770 thought that he could jump off the top of the church, which is about 200 foot high, uh, because he had these wings strapped to his arms. And he jumped, and it seems that it didn't go quite as well aerodynamically as he was hoping. And so that was the last thing he ever did. But I suppose if you're going to do that, you might as well do it from the top of a church, because they just sort of like dug a hole and left him there. There was a graveyard anyway, so at least he was efficient. And uh, Pockers is very famous for that. But now, now that it's one of these little places, you get these places in Yorkshire and Lancashire, and they're sort of old, old towns where there used to be miners, mill workers and stuff like that. And now the shops there, the only shops in the high street, there's a reflexologist and a dog groomer and an osteopath and somewhere that restores cupboards. So that's where I was. And then from there to Penzance is, and I've looked this up, 264,000 miles, the equivalent of going to the moon and back. And uh, that's where I've come today. And en route, I've been trying to do the podcast. So uh, that's why there's been one or two sort of little difficulties. But there we are, you cope with them. I did feel a little bit like a, a war reporter trying to sort of set up a little bit of a radio transmitter behind a, a hill that was being bombarded by rebel forces from uh, Ethiopia or something. But... Um, Nonetheless, nonetheless, we can still say that there are people, and we've been able to verify this, who have been getting in touch with us on Twitter or indeed on the Patreon account to uh, to make their comments and ask questions. For example, Nick at Nick N. Slongridge, oh, very cleverly put, Nick, uh, says there's an albatross living at Bempton, East Yorkshire. Should be in the Southern Hemisphere. Never mind Yorkshire. What the fuck is going on? I think that it's gone there on a pilgrimage to visit deceased cricketer Fred Truman, who um, uh, I seem to remember in the past when you had proper albatrosses in the old days. I mean, they had the, I mean, the Golden Gate Bridge was an albatross. That was how wide they were. You could drive across it, not these days. And so I think that's that's why it's gone to Bempton, East Yorkshire. Denbo at Denbo42 says, is it now time for aliens to come and give humans a proper bitch slap? Now, this is an interesting thing. See, in the past, we've generally thought of aliens in alien films 
you know, there's the odd one that's nice, like E.T. and the ones at the end of Close Encounters. But it, it generally, aliens are like sinister forces that come over the day of the Triffids, what have you. They come over, they're coming to destroy us, like in that thing where they, you know, they zap everybody. I, this is probably isn't something I should admit to. In most of those films, I am on the alien side. But... Now, now, if there was an alien film, you're quite right, Denbo, that that now you could quite reasonably make a film where the aliens went, no, you've got a fucking lovely planet here. Everything was sorted and look what you're doing to it. It's 75 degrees centigrade in fucking Norway. You've got bloody scorpions living in Scotland. You've got the bloody climate that is too hot for camels in Iceland. What the fuck have you done, you mental twat? Everything was bloody here for you. Ruth Rosselson, one of our Patreon supporters, asked, what is going on? It's a very polite way of saying it. I don't know why I never thought of calling it what is going on rather than what the fuck is going on. Just potty mouth. I'm so sorry. What is going on with the government timetabling a vote of no confidence in itself? I mean, it's not as if I disagree, but WTF. Oh, you've spoiled it, Ruth. We all know what the F stands for. So... Now, I'm not, I really don't know all the shenanigans of, of, of this. I know that the Labour Party put in a vote of no confidence, which clearly it wasn't going to win. But that you'd have thought that would have been quite funny because all these Conservative MPs would have had to say, I have total confidence in the man who being Prime Minister, who is someone who last week I said must not ever be put in charge of anything more than a custard cream because he is an evil sociopath who will take the country to ruin unless we put a stake through his heart. I have total confidence in him. But the way the parliamentary thing works, and I don't know, and that bloke, what's his name, Lindsay, someone who's the speaker now, and he's got this sort of, and he doesn't even, at least when it was Burko, the pomposity sounded, no, 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 and all that. But he, no, you can't have him going, no, I'm not allowing emotion and no confidence. What's the what's the honourable member thinking of? You got you can't go around having no confidence. It sounds like he should be running a, Park in Chorley. Richard Vine asks, who would you vote for as leader of the Conservative Party? And then asks, please supply at least three reasons why. I think I would vote for Liz Truss because she is the mad one of amongst the crazy ones. And those photos she poses for where uh, it's like a parody of some Holbein painting or something that ought to be in the bloody... Tate or something, or uh, they're just she's she she would be a laugh, wouldn't she? I think she's the only one that could win and keep up the tradition that's been going for some time. So that in six months' time, people were going, I never thought that I would pine for the days of Boris Johnson. Now, as we know. Those of us in the community that have tried to work out what the fuck is going on, it's essential to have the views of the youth, or at least people who are sort of still with their youth. And that's why I bred someone a little while ago so that I could uh, continue with this quest. I think people like Darwin and Einstein, they did the same sort of thing. So that's why with us today is Elliot Steele, as ever. Hello, Elliot. Hello. Uh, and. 
Now, last night, as we're speaking, we went to, to Brighton, as we often do, and uh, I, we were, this doesn't usually happen, but we were on a show together at the Open Air Theatre, which is all very beautiful and glorious and, um, uh, you know, a lovely place, about 400 people there. Uh, but, uh, and you went great, you were great at it, but uh, now what, you you weren't sure about it, were you? Oh, I, I enjoyed the gig. No, but beforehand, I mean. Oh, yeah, I don't like playing to your audience. What's wrong with them? I'm fucking, they're all like 60-year-olds. Yeah. They're very pleasant. Right. But they, they, like, they, they still think Corbyn should be in charge. You know what I mean? They're all just, they all just sort of wonder. No, they don't. My they, audience doesn't they, think Corbyn they turn, should be. They, do you know what your audience do? They turn up an hour early. They turn up an hour early and right. they sit there and they eat ham sandwiches. <laughs> What do, and what do yours do? Yours turn up about 20 minutes late and take MDMA. Mine don't turn up at all. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, they liked you, though. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I was emceeing, so I just got to talk to them. So. Took the piss out of people for wearing a mask. Well, I didn't take the piss out of them for wearing a mask. What happened was it, they, 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 there was 400 people outside and there was two people in the front row in a mask and I was inquisitive into why they were wearing a mask <laughs> and their own logic took the piss out of why they were wearing a mask. Because they were a very lovely couple, and they were going, oh, well, we're going to our mum's on on Saturday, so we want to, you know, be careful. And I was like, well, being careful would have not been coming. <laughs> now, here's the thing, though. I must co- – I'll confess to this, right? Yeah. Now, there is a bit of me now sometimes thinks, wearing a mask outside, that is – that is now – that's not being cautious. That – is pointless that you might as well go out and oh no I think it's best if we wear a suit and a suit of armor when we go to Aldi that yeah. just does seem pointless and it's outside and even it's fairly well accepted that you're not going to really catch it outside so is that COVID's over it's done well yeah but then there's people no, who say it's clearly not over because there's a lot of people is. with COVID we, no, there's we, people with COVID how can it be over if people have because got COVID because Ukraine happened COVID is over <laughs> it's done <laughs> We care about that now. And that's oh. fleeting. That's yeah. that's getting boring as well. We want, you know, that we need the new the new thing. I remember reading someone, this is this wasn't my observation, I remember it was, who said uh, um even with the even with the twin towers after the first one, that uh, people thought, Oh my god, and by the time the second one went in, quarter of an hour later, people were like, Oh no, I'm bored of that now. <laughs> well that's well, well that is true because so this is a thing. When a terrorist attack happens, there's this element on the media of excitement and frenzy, and we don't know what's going on, and we're gonna have videos from here and look, there's police doing this and that. And it it becomes this it and they present it in a way because they need to keep the people watching rather than just that you know whenever there's a terrorist attack for the eight hours they just film a police car and then cut from different shots they're not really giving any information yeah yeah yeah. no they're always there that and then there'll be sort of um uh yeah after a terrorist attack the next morning you know there's absolute there's that the army are all in there and they're patrolling and of course it's it's never the case there's going to be like another terrorist attack in the same place there was one the day before but now the army, the people with guns everywhere, and then maybe the because there's reporters everywhere, and maybe thirty people will run somewhere through a square. Well, the, the, there's a theory in America that um, with uh, high school shootings, you you don't report on the number of people that died. 
So because there, there was this sort of sociological theory that what you're doing is you're setting a score. So they should actually, if they're going to do it, then yeah, they, they could just do it like the football scores, just today's, and now today's high school shootings. Minneapolis, nine. Memphis, four. Albuquerque, three. Wisconsin, three. And then you'd, you'd sit there and watch it and go, I hate that they do this because I'm about to watch high school shooting of the day. Why do they need to give me the scores? I don't need a... I don't need to see this. I'm, I'm about to watch the highlights. <laughs> now that's the sort of thing. So if you did that sort of joke to my audience, what would what do you think would happen? But this is the thing. I did a. I have a routine that I did at uh, one of my favourite comedy clubs, Top Secret, a little while ago. Probably the place I'm most comfortable on stage. And we, I, I did a routine, uh, and, and it gets a lot of young people. Top Secret, which isn't always a good. It, it gets like a lot of eighteen-year-olds, yeah. Who like, and I've said it before. They're like, Black Lives Matter, but none of my friends are black. But the Black Lives Matter, they're those kind of people, like, right. And you, you can get a bit of that there. I think that was the case with this girl because she came up crying afterwards at the end of the show. And I think she was just a bit drunk, and like informed me that all of my jokes were like racist, anti-Semitic, misogynist, all of this stuff. I was just crying and I was just like, no, you're just, you're just drunk and you've not listened to anything that I've said. And also I think people, because of my accent, don't get that a lot of the time I'm being ironic. Like I don't actually, right. I don't actually think these things. Like the point of it is like, wouldn't it be funny if I actually thought that? And I think irony sort of missed. Did on you the forget that room. bit? Did maybe you forgot that bit that night to say, "Wouldn't it be funny if I thought this?" <laughs> well, and I'm not going to explain the joke. And then you you just went, "I'll tell you what, they're bloody they control the world's media and uh, <laughs> uh, hundreds of years. Is it any wonder we don't like them?" And You're you not forgot far to... off what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I I had a bit about being. Part uh, part Jewish, and uh, I I do like this whole whole sort of thing about, it. and I, I don't want to give the bit away, but it was about um you know doing jokes about being part Jewish and like but not being allowed to be Jewish. I wouldn't be allowed to be Jewish, but I it, you know I like you know there's a saying you're not Jewish enough for the synagogue, but Jewish enough for Hitler. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. that's the saying, and I have a joke, or as I like to call it, all of the holler, none of the dollar. Right, that's just my little like. And then it segues into this bit. And basically, the end of the bit is like someone going, but, you know, fascism could rise again. Are you not worried about, uh, you know, like you said, uh, you're, you know, I I don't want to do a bit on it. But basically, the end premise of the bit is going, are you not worried about something like the Nazis happening again because you would be killed under it? And my joke is, no, I'm not worried about them because I live on a southern rail line. They're not going to get me anywhere. (laughs) But she took it as you're doing Holocaust jokes, which right. I was. But the target of the Holocaust joke was Southern Rail. Yes. Right. Uh, I, I, all right. Well, that's sorted that out then. Yeah, I, I think both the audiences are really good to play to. It's so different. When you first, I remember the first time that, that I remember being at the Comedia, I'll just finish with this, how different it is when you were 17. And you were at the Comedia, and I was stood at the back, and you come on. And it was packed. It was a Comedia in Brighton. There's about 300 people there, perhaps however many olds. And uh, someone at the and, – and as you come on, there was a table just in front of me. I was at the back. And all of them went, ah, as you come on. Little did they know that eight years later, you would be causing people to write letters well, of complaint. not my fault. <laughs> Thank you very much, Elliot Steele. 
thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, rate it. And if you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, definitely write a review. Oh, we've had a couple of absolute stinkers lately. They absolutely made my morning. Uh, So if there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod. And we will look at every message that you send. If you would like to become a supporter of the podcast and get early access to ad-free, extended versions with bonus sketches and all sorts of other privileges, including uh, a guarantee of, uh, of a life of luxury for just £4 a month, please visit our Patreon page. What the fuck is going on? was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Mick Ferry and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander. It was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. Music by Willie Dowling. It was produced by Mike Benwell. What the fuck is going on? It was brought to you by WTF Productions. <laughs>